my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I am recording today's episode from a very special location. Um, I'm currently in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico where we have held our first BGH student reunion. So as y'all know, or maybe you don't know, but I've been coaching women in uh, the area of love addiction for, oh my gosh, let me, let me pull the years out because I think it's important. Okay. For six years, even though I've been working with people therapeutically for love addiction for more than that, um, I've been coaching specifically for love addiction for the last six years. And um, the way that I've done that is through my coaching programs. And so I've had hundreds of women come through my main coaching program, the recovery school, and the different iterations over, of that over the last several years. And so I held my first student reunion this weekend. And so um, we have had the most wonderful time. Um, I'm going to try not to get emotional. I'm going to get emotional. Um, but I'm trying not to get too emotional to where I can't talk. But we have had the most wonderful time through laughter and tears and connecting and having circles and going down mountains and ATVs and lounging around the pool and thinking, talking about everything, life and love and death and rebirth and self-love, and colorism, and men, and sex, and it has been um, truly wonderful, and I'm just so grateful to be here. Um, Hold on, y'all. Okay, got it together for now. (laughs) Y'all are probably going to hear so many pauses, but um, I am so grateful to be here, and to be able to have touch the lives that I have and to be able to hug women in person um, and love them and receive love from them as well has just been the greatest gift. And so with this weekend and this time being the greatest gift, I thought it would be good to talk about the gifts that you receive as you go through healing, Um, go through healing from the issues of love addiction specifically. When I was in 12 steps, which I'll talk about more in a moment, but when I was in a 12 step program, one of the things that they do is they read the promises that you will get, the things that you can expect at the beginning of every meeting so that you have hope and so that you know what to look forward to as you're coming in in these really broken spots um, when your world feels like a mess. And so for today's episode, I wanted to throw it back to what those promises are. For one, for us to celebrate how far we have all come 
and for those of us who are struggling, for us to know what we can look forward to. And for those of us who are in the middle of our process, for us to just know that we are on the right path, as long as we just keep walking and we keep moving and we keep going, that these are the promises that we can have for ourselves. So that said, let's go ahead and jump on in. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Okay, so I have a question for you. On a scale of zero to five, where zero is, I don't think about it at all, and five is, I'm fully connected, how on top of your hormone health are you? If you said zero to one, it is time to build that connection. Your hormones and your cycle are central to your overall functioning and regulating your body will completely transform your mental, emotional, and physical health. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. And even though it helps for more than just menopause, Hormone Harmony is great for any horrible menopausal symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, raising thoughts, low mood, poor sleep, feeling tired all the time, bloating and gas, lower sexual desire. Hormone Harmony can help with all of those things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code BGH at checkout. Okay, so a little heads up before I jump in, uh, though, I'm recording this very early in the morning, not early for me because I'm an early riser, but earlier in the morning than I typically record. So I haven't eaten breakfast yet. I haven't really talked to people yet. And I'm just saying that in case as the episode goes on, you hear me wake up. So either or hear my voice wake up. So either it's going to be the same level or I'm going to near the end, I'm going to be like, and then the next promise is this. So um, I don't know why I even gave that disclaimer, but I'm going to keep it here. Um, yeah, I'm just going to keep it here. So the promises. So for for those who don't know my story, the way that I got into talking about love addiction specifically, as I am a therapist by trade, a licensed therapist by trade. Um, I have since stopped practicing therapy and gone um, gone into retirement for my license as I have been coaching and teaching here. However, one of my last jobs before I transitioned out was in a residential treatment center. And in that residential treatment center, we treated people who had a lot of dual diagnoses. So from borderline personality disorder and bipolar and of course, depression, anxiety, and then folks who were there for um, drug addictions and alcohol addictions and um, all that stuff. And so we treated all of that together. So I did individual family and group therapy there and then taught classes. And so while I was there, I learned about something called love addiction. So while we're there, you know, the people have their meetings and everything, and then you're helping them start either starting their 12-step program or walking them through it if they decide to do. So I learned about something called love addiction. And at the time, I remember thinking that this was bullshit and that um, love addiction was not a thing, or I just thought it was like very silly. And I was like, okay. And I remember the first client that I was told to, but she was a love addict. And that this was something for her to work through, you know, I, 
I did it, but it was half-hearted. I didn't quite have the belief in it. Um, and I was like, okay, well, this is cute, but you know, this will help her figure out her, her relationships and stuff. Cause she did have some manipulation and things going on around it, but I just wasn't a believer. And then, um, you know, my, my mom ended up passing away while I was working at that place and all the little things that were going on in my life were not, well, used to say little, but all the things that I was doing when it came to men, to sex, to porn, to all the things, um, my obsession around relationships um, escalated in, in my grief. And so I went to therapy, which really helped me with grief. It really helped me with a lot of codependency and things that were going on within my family system. But I did not have any awareness of like, you know, when you're in something, sometimes it's very easy for you to see things for other people, even as a professional healer. Um, so that really helped me with that and finding myself through the sadness and anxiety there, but stuff with my relationships still kept going on. And I rem remember my therapist at the time telling me, Tina, I think you should try out Sex Addicts Anonymous. And I'm like, well, that's not going to work because I am not a, a pervert. You know, I had all of these really negative connotations with sex addiction and all those things and all these judgments with that. And also who even really talks about 12 steps, you know, in the black community, you know, maybe we'll talk about AA and maybe every once in a while I would hear people talk about Alcoholics Anonymous. And not that I even knew anybody who went to those meetings, but, you know, I heard of it before. And maybe I heard of it because of my profession, but I for sure was not going to go to a Sex Addicts Anonymous meeting because I, the way that I was acting out didn't even feel like it fit that description. And a little bit of time went on. And then he said to try out Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. And the love softened it and made it sound a little bit more familiar. A little, Yeah, it felt a little bit more akin to what I was dealing with. So I go to the meeting. or I, I say, okay, I'll go to a meeting and just to see what was going on. Because at that point, I was just um, felt really broken and felt really s silly, maybe ashamed. It's been a minute, but um, I just remember I was at a place where where I just felt like I need I needed something because this wasn't enough. Whatever I was doing, loved my therapist, but that was not enough. So I go to these meetings. I go to a meeting and I sit around and I listen. These women who I've never met before, most of them do not look like me, are all telling my story. They're all talking about these really destructive places that their fantasies, their mind, their their relationships with other people, the loss of self has brought them to. And they're also talking really deeply and openly about um, what this means for themselves and what this means for their hearts. And I was like, oh, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. And if you've never been to a 12-step meeting, the protocol at each one, one of the reasons why this always feels like home, if you if you join a 12-step meeting and you find it to be a safe space for you, I have another episode that talks about my 12-step process in more detail um, and some of the, you know, a lot of the benefits and then a lot of the growth areas, um, which led me to continuing to create things for Black women, which so I'm not going to get into that here, but if you want to scroll through our podcast episodes and find that, 
you can hear more about that there. But one of the things that makes 12-step programs or 12-step meetings home or that felt like home for me is the ritual of it. You know, you know you're going to come in, you're going to sit, and we're going to read, you know, the different bylaws and statements, and we're going to go talk about the 12 steps. And, you know, it's the same beginning for each one, and even the closing prayer is the same. And when your life is so chaotic, um, when your emotions feel so chaotic, being able to settle into that is so healing in itself. And so I remember one of the ways that we will always open up the meeting is we will read the 12 promises of sex and love, which is the promises. If you work program, these are the 12 things that you can expect to happen for you. And they would always ask for volunteers to read. And if I could, I would always try to read the promises because that was what I was holding on to. That was the hope that I needed to know that there was a light at the end of this tunnel. And so even though this podcast is not a 12-step focused podcast, there are lots of them. If that is something that you would like or if that's something that made you, I'm not sure what I'm going to title this exactly, but if that is something that has made you um, settle on this podcast, there are many who go more into the 12-step program and keep from it. Um, However, this this is where it started for me. And as I was reading over the promises over this past weekend of us all, all these ladies coming together, um, it just felt very healing for me and it felt very inspirational. So, and as the things, the things in this that I'm about to read to you are the things that I hope that you are able to get from being a part of the community here as Black, Black Girls Heal. For those of you who have already become students or those who will become students of mine in the future, this is my prayer that these are the promises that you will also be able to to have in your own life as well. So let's go ahead and talk about them. I will, I may be pausing in between each of them just to share any things I may have seen with students or with myself as we go through this journey. So the 12 promises of SLAA reads... If you decide to follow the suggestions of this program, a new life will begin to unfold within you. Along with this new life are are promises that will guide and sustain you. They are manifesting among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. I think this is me talking now. I think that this is, you know, every single part of the promises I just love so much. So pardon me ahead of time for my fangirling in every single sentence. But that last part, we are manifesting some, they are manifesting among us sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. And I think our growth and our healing can be kind of like height when we were smaller children growing up into adults. Like we don't realize how much we have grown and how tall we have gotten and how much bigger and how much mature we are until one day we stop and we look in a mirror or until one day we look back at old pictures, even a picture from the previous week or the previous month. We're like, oh, wow, like that is not the same in me anymore. And when you're in it, you don't realize how much the transformation is happening without you having to will it, without you having to measure it and quantify it. But really, it comes by faith and by trust and by putting one foot in front of the other every day and to keep going. And when you think that you're moving backwards, when you think that you are not moving forward, when you think that you are regressing, 
when you think that you are just the same as you were the year before, the day before, the week before, you're not. And all you got to do, that phrase that goes, just keep living. You know, when you think that you have gotten figured out or when you think that you have gotten caught up, just keep living, just keep going. And so when we think about the promises, sometimes these promises, sometimes these changes, we see the benefit of them very quickly and they're very tangible and they're worth being celebrated. And sometimes all these changes are manifesting slowly and they're gradual and they build on top of each other. And those deserve just as much celebration once you see them, once you're able to say, oh, wait, this has happened. This is new. This is new and different. They deserve just as much attention as the, as the bigger things that you may have seen or that you may be may be waiting for because they all they all build on top of each other. But the first promise for Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous is we will regain control of our lives. We will regain control of our lives. I don't know about you, but the up and down of toxic relationships or codependent enmeshed relationships with family members, with friends, um, the topsy-turviness of it, being thrown back and forth between whether or not you feel good and whether or not you feel safe and whether or not you feel um, hopeful and open, whether or not you feel like you can smile that day, whether or not you feel free to be happy, whether or not you feel trust in your body, um, that feels very uncontrollable. That feels like insanity. That was That's what makes you feel as if there is something wrong with you, even when you're very good at having every other area of your life in order, which was my story. Um, I was very high functioning in so many other areas of my life, except for when it came to this. And this is where there was a lot of fear and angst and anxiety. And so the promise of being able to regain control of my life was key. Um, And I can say that there has been definite growth in all of these. And here, you know, you're catching me in a moment that I'm very reflective. I'm feeling very reflective and um, humble in my process. So I think for many of these, I'm going to talk about this um, as if I'm still in process with it because I am. Just the truth of it is I am. I am um, daily learning how to be present in the moment. And learning how to see all the good that is around me versus the previous habits of being able to focus on the things that are wrong, learning how to focus on everything that is right. That is a skill that I'm currently cultivating. And, you know, the idea of the 12 steps too, or one of the, I don't know if it's the idea of it, but one of the things that I just picked up culturally when I was inside the 12 step programs is that your program is something that you are going to work for the rest of your life that these are things that you're going to hold true to yourself and that you're going to keep, if not top of mind, but definitely close enough to access as a resource because you learning how to love yourself and be balanced with yourself and be connected to yourself is something that you're going to continue to do forever. The, the 12 steps are not meant to be something that you do for a year of your life and then forget because you've checked it off your box, but more it is a lifestyle. And it is a philosophy and a way of living. And so if you adopt that you're always going to be in a place of healing, then it's okay for you to live in the honesty of I've come such a long way and I'm doing so great and I'm going to continue to keep doing it. I'm going to continue to keep putting in 
the effort or putting in the mindset or putting in the tools or putting in the love and the self-belief that has got me to this point and to not ever take that for granted and to always live in gratitude for it. So promise number one is we will get, regain control of our lives. Number two, we will begin to feel dignity and respect for ourselves. The things I've done, I was even just thinking about one of the things this weekend that I hadn't thought about for a long time, but the things that I did in my love addiction and that desperation to find a person and to be somebody's person and to fill this hole and to make it complete, y'all, the amount of rambling messages I have left, the amount of shots that I shot <laughs> with people that I should not have done at all um the level of thirst that your girl lived in um to try to fix something deeper and to be chosen and to be seen uh it's quite embarrassing <laughs> it's quite embarrassing and does not become the woman that I am and the queen that I am and the worth that I have um but when you are in your love addictive state and when you do not know the value that you have and when your value is so externalized and outside of you, that means the same thing. <laughs> but when you don't have that connection to yourself and that foundation, you do everything that you can to try to feel safe because you believe that that safety is outside of you. Um, you believe that safety is something that is needs to be gifted to you and um, portioned to you by others outside of yourself. And so... Number two, to begin to feel dignity and respect for yourself, for ourselves, to come home to yourselves and to see yourself as a prize and as valuable and as worthy to be loved by giving that love to yourself first is amazing. Promise number three, the loneliness will subside and we will begin to enjoy being alone. Let me read that one again. Number three. The promise is the loneliness will subside and we will begin to enjoy being alone. Now, this is a tricky one because the co-occurring presentation of love addiction is love avoidance. Many of us, no matter how love addictive and how um, crazy we have gotten in our search for intimacy and connection, we can just as easily slip into not caring about people, pushing other people away, um, being more content being by ourselves or being in our defensive state and calling it uh, that we are okay being by ourselves and we can flip back and forth, which is what makes it so mind-boggling that there can be certain people and family members and situations that just bring out this really younger version of ourselves, like this um, uncontained, immature, emotionally needy and clingy version of ourselves when in there are other places that we could just couldn't care less, you know? Um, but this promise of the loneliness will subsiding and we will begin to enjoy being alone, the way that I interpret this as of today is that we will start to find enjoyment within ourselves. Um, as a love addict, I found joy in the company of other people because I felt as if other people and my energy with them brought out a better version of myself that um, it was maybe that it highlighted or maybe that I could be more fully expressed in the company of certain others versus me being able to be fully expressed just within myself. 
um, and just within me being me for me's sake and not me turning on more parts of me because I accented a certain relationship better. Um, I hope that makes sense. But in on for me on the journey to learning how to enjoy being alone, that means for me to start to learn how to enjoy every single part of myself and to learn how to love and take pleasure in every single part of myself. And for me, that felt that is very different than what the reframe that I would say for years, you know, even coming into the Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous program and then beyond once I exited and continued to do my my own work and go deeper. You know, that refrain of, I love myself. And I can't tell you, I said I love myself so often and so many times, but I didn't. I don't know. I don't know another way to say that in a in a prettier package, but I didn't. I love myself for me was synonymous with, it was almost like a defensive statement to where when either bad things would happen or when someone was mistreating me, the statement would be, you know, I love myself. I don't deserve that. Or I love myself. I don't care what other people think about me. Or I love myself. And, you know, I know what I'm worth and what I value, but I didn't. I, I did not have a deep rooted connection to the beauty that is Sheena, to the soul that I have, to um, the energy and timelessness and the richness and the flavor and the, just the everything that I am. I have not had access to that. And which is why I would allow myself to be in situations with people and with things and places that treated me as such. They match exactly what I thought of myself and match what I thought I was worth, no matter how much I was hemming and hawing and declaring and defending myself and quote unquote making boundaries. Um, the boundary would be to only allow myself to be in places that treated me um, as the royalty and as the goddess and as the the beauty that I am. And until I actually believe those things, I would continue to settle and compromise, if not by words, but by action. And so in this promise, the loneliness will subside and we will enjoy being alone. Learning to enjoy myself is me learning to enjoy my company, which helps with the loneliness. So Loneliness subsiding, y'all know how I feel about this if you listen to this podcast. To date, still now, today that I'm recording this in November 2023, I still have beef when people try to say that um, once you reach this ultimate point of self-love and self-healing, that your desire for companionship will dissipate and you will no longer need companionship. I just, again, as of November 2023... For those who may be binging this podcast in the future, in case I change my perspective, I just feel like that is an unhealthy way to encourage people because it makes people think that your God-given desire to have human companionship and be in tripod and be in community um, is faulted in some way or that is immature in some way. And I just feel like there's a way to hold both. So when I read this promise about the loneliness subsiding, I think about that deep ache that makes you think that there is something deeper missing that is more than the companionship because you have a loss of self. 
because you are not connected to you. And so that is something that, you know, even last night when we were sitting in our circle and we were talking about different things, you know, there's a part that the women transitioned into talking about what the program has given them. And um, some of the ways that by working together that they have felt healed. And that was that was a common thing that was shared, um, which is this growth in confidence and this growth in finding who you are and this growth in finding the beauty that you are. You know, whether or not you come into this program or women came into my program because they were having a set of really unfortunate experiences with relationships and with love addiction and love avoidance that they found themselves and um, that they've been able to pass that love on to the other women around them, you know, to from mothers and grandmothers and sisters and friends. Um, that was really cool to hear about um, and to practice receiving. And so um, I want that for all of y'all as well. Promise number four, we will no longer be plagued by unceasing sense of longing. We will no longer be plagued by unceasing sense of longing. Something else someone else said in the circle last night really struck me. She was saying how when she first found the podcast, she found the podcast before we started to work together. When she first found the podcast and she didn't quite know, she just knew that things were happening in her relationship at the time and she couldn't quite put a finger on it. Um, and then I talked about love addiction and gave words to it. She said that she couldn't figure out why the pain that she had around breakups and the pain that she had around relationships just felt so deep and felt unnatural. And I just thought that that was such powerful word, <laughs> you know, a word that I don't think I've ever used when I've talked about this, but it just completely fits that the level of longing, the level of and the level of pain that comes with these types of feelings feels unnatural. Like it feels like there is like the craving within it, it's, it stretches. And um, like I just, in my mind right now, I'm trying to put it into words, but there's like a clawing at it, you know? Um, and that's exactly how it feels when you are deeply in this. Um, and it's unceasing. There's no end to it, right? There's nothing that actually fills it. And so being able to get to a place which gratitude really helps with that, learning how to get grounded in the moment, learning how to pivot your mind to see all that you have versus all that you do not is instrumental in helping you to no, no longer be plagued with unceasing longing. So again, just to piggyback what I just said before, you know, I think that you still get to a place that you still, that it's okay for you to still want companionship, that you're not trying to rub that desire out of you, but that everything reprioritizes, it realigns in a different way to where you have a full life that is not based on this certain outcome. You know, I was watching, watching another interview with a certain set of experts, and I can't remember what the topic was about. But one thing that they said is they found that through research, the level of happiness that you are today, whatever it is that you think that you really want, a year after you have that thing, 
you are going to return to the same amount of level of happiness that you are today. So if you win the lottery, you know, a year after you win the lottery, whatever level of happiness you are today, you're going to return right back to that because your body normalizes this new experience. Whatever relationship you get into, no matter how amazing it is, a year from now, you are going to feel the same amount of self-love, security, et cetera, because you are the common denominator and it starts with you. And so chasing you, chasing your own contentment and your own fulfillment within is the key. And I love, I know I've mentioned this before, I love really watching celebrities who talk about this openly, watching their interviews to like remind me and keep me grounded anytime I start to forget this truth. Some of my favorites that I have seen talk about it openly in a way that resonates with me is Jim Carrey. Um, really talks so much about this, um, especially in his later stuff about, you know, he's gotten everything. He has made millions upon millions of dollars. He's been nominated, if not won every award. He has been married to some of the most beautiful people. He is still, at the time that I'm recording this, someone who's a beloved figurehead um, in popular culture. You know, we don't have any scandals or anything with him. Let's knock on some wood. You know, so when he talks about that he has enough and that he got to a certain place to where he realized that this all starts within. And so he talks about his own spiritual journey and things as well. And um, again, I just meet so many people, some of the people that I trust the most and that um, their spirits resonate the most with me and that are so blessed in all these areas. They all say the same thing, that it all starts from within. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here, a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. And so to get to this unceasing, to end this um, unceasing longing, the phrase that I repeat often one of the phrases I repeat often in this podcast that you have everything that you need inside of you has truly been inspired by the Wizard of Oz. And I don't think I've said this in a minute since I've started the podcast, but 
um, Wizard of Oz, at the end, when Dorothy um, has those red slippers and Glenda tells her that she has always had the answer with her this whole time. She went on this really grand journey looking for the wizard or looking for someone to give her something that she has always had within her at the same time. And there was a point that I even wanted to make the logo for BGH, these ruby red slippers. And I like, I went on that sea and I was like, how do I find some ruby red slippers? And, you know, the, as the branding has changed to be more pink, I was like, maybe I could find some pink, some pink sparkly slippers, you know, but, um, yeah, like they answer everything that we need is inside of us. And I know that that can get really hard when we don't have access to that. And we have not had people who have showed us and taught us how to find ourselves. Like people say that all the time, love yourself. It starts from within, you know, you have everything you need inside of you. But for those of us who were never given the gift of, of being loved, being admired, having people who modeled that in front of us, that does not help us at all. We, we do not even know where to start. And so, um, Hopefully through the things that I've shared through this podcast and for those of you who work with me more, hopefully this puts you on the right direction to help you find that, to help you find yourself and find all the resources that you come into this world with and help you just live those more out loud. Number five, promise number five, in the company of family and friends, we will keep them in body and mind. Um, let me say that again and say that right. In the company of family and friends, we will be with them in body and mind. Oh, Lord. In the company of family and friends, we will be with them in body and mind. Have any of you who have struggled with love addiction, have any of you ever been hanging out with people, but you are not there? You are thinking about what this person is doing and what they're saying. You're thinking about how this, this experience would be so much better if this person was here, even if you didn't even have a person. But almost as if you are like passing time and biding time, waiting for this other entity, this spirit, this soulmate to be with you and that you could not really enjoy all the love and all the abundance that you have around you until or unless this person is present with you. I, I know I'm not the only one. Um, if y'all were here, I would ask y'all to raise your hands, but I already know that I'm not the only one. And that is absolutely something that I could resonate with, like almost waiting for my life to begin. Like until this person is here, you know, this is all kind of child's play. This is all the warm up. This is all, you know, this is a draft. This is not like the full version. And when this person comes, then my real life starts. And luckily, I think I have been on both sides of this equation in a healthy way and in an unhealthy way. Um, obviously unhealthy, you know, been in this place where I've been craving and not, you know, not able to fully enjoy the laughter and everything, or I have a great night with folks. And, you know, at the end of the night, I'm still like, that's great, but I, I wish I would have had a, a boyfriend there, or I wish I would be coming home to someone right now. Like I wasn't able to fully just relish in the laughter and the love and the companionship and just really be grateful for that and to really let that light me up, right? That real love only comes or only came in the form of a romantic partnership and everything else was just an imitation of that. And, you know, I can 
use this and I can take it in until I get the real version of it. And that has stopped me from being present in so many places. And it stopped me from being able to practice real gratitude and to actually feel it, you know, to actually be there and be rooted and to take it all in to learn how to receive it. And so this promise of learning how to be present and body and in mind when you're in the company of family and friends is huge because romantic love is just one version of the love that we have here. And I think as love addicts, we may logically know that, but being able to grasp that and to truly believe it and take that in is so hard. It is so hard because the romantic love is all that we really want. It is something that we have aspired to. It is something that has been so close yet so far. It has been something that um, it feels like maybe there's we've been able to access everything else but this. And so it can also be painful like to 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 know, again, know logically that all this type of love is really rich and grand, but to have this one thing that you haven't been able to to touch and to take can feel very painful. And I think a lot of times that's painful because not being able to have that type of love is very reminiscent to a lot of ways that we may have been neglected before. And a lot of things that have been kind of held in front of us, teased in front of us, shown to us, but never given to us or given to us and then taken away. And so that the the false starts feel a lot more painful and feel a lot more unfair. And so to be able to get to a place to where you can hold multiple things to be true at the same time, wanting love, wanting companionship, but also to be able to live life fully and live love fully and to magnetize love to you and to magnify love through you with the people around you. It is huge. So I'm looking at time and I'm only five in. So these last ones are so good. So we'll see. I'm going to do number six and we will see if I continue to go. And this this is a longer episode or if I break this into parts. So six, the sixth promise of Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous is we will pursue interests and activities that we desire for ourselves. This is such a core part of my program with ladies. Like you got to figure out who you are, what you want and what you like. You got to figure out you. You have got to figure out what makes you happy and what makes you tick. Otherwise, everything else is just going to be a filler. And that is absolutely so important for relationships as love addicts or love addicts in recovery or former love addicts, depending on how you define yourself. But yeah, because if we are not careful, we will make that person our interests and our activities. And we will study them and we will figure them out and we will perfect what it is to be whatever it is that they want or to help them be whoever it is that they want um, and completely neglect ourselves. Number seven, love will be a committed, thoughtful decision versus rather than a feeling by which we are overwhelmed. Ooh, love will be a committed, thoughtful decision rather than be a feeling by which we are overwhelmed. Y'all, I, I feel like I could just repeat that statement for like 30 minutes. And like, we we would all, like that is, that just sums it all up, right? Like for love to be a thoughtful decision versus something that we are overwhelmed by, that we are engulfed by. 
to not be so overcome by the vibes and like what feels like this intuitive, like knowing and like magnetism towards someone or something that is not, that is not our best. And then being like, knowing that it may not be our best, but if I felt this way, like I wouldn't feel this way if there wasn't supposed to be something here. And yes, baby, you, you, you can, you absolutely can. You absolutely can be attracted to someone who's there to repeat your trauma. You absolutely can have a connection to someone. And I'll probably do a future episode about this um, if I have time. But there are absolutely people who are here who are soulmates. That maybe we have known them from past life or that we they are here in this lifetime with us for a very specific lesson or spiritual lesson. But that does not mean that we're, they're supposed to be here forever. It does not mean that they are our person, but because of that intensity and that they feel so familiar for whatever reason, good or bad, we will try to make them be it. But it is so important for us to learn how to use our heads along with our hearts and along with our guts. That love is a full 360 holistic decision and experience, right? That we learn that we don't just have to take what's in front of us. Um, just because, but that we will consciously make a decision for our own betterment. Um, and especially if you're someone who believes in monogamy or believes in long-term committed partnerships and understand that when you join your life with someone that you are not only creating something else, but that is directly affecting how you grow or how you don't grow. And when you pick up someone who is a project or a situation that's a project, you think that you're going to end up being the fixer, but you're only going to continue to maintain, bring your life down to whatever level that is, especially as a love addict. And so to be able to be fully consciously connected to who you are and what you want and to make decisions, even when they're hard, even when they are um, painful, even when it involves you saying no or walking away from something that you have invested invested so much into, maybe even something that you have defended to many people. And don't let you be a public-facing couple and you're kind of having to reckon with a new understanding of things. And now it's not only that you're making this decision for yourself, but you're making a decision that may affect many other people and you might even feel embarrassed for you to have to do a 180 and backtrack on all the things that other people have always seen but you defend it so fiercely maybe there there is no deadline and there's no expiration date for you to start to live the life that you've always desired and deserved and that is the best decision that you can make for yourself love being a thoughtful committed decision not only to another person but to yourself and you can figure that out at any time. And the only person you need to worry about what they think about that is you. Because you're the one who's living this life. Nobody else. And so don't let your life become um, an example of living in ego. And missing out on everything that you need. Because it just took you a while to figure out what it is that you wanted and what you needed in life and in partnership. So that is that promise. Promise number eight is we will love and accept ourselves, which I've already shared a little bit about that before, but just truly learning about all of the quirks and all of that you are and all the beauty that you are. You know, for some of us, we think that our problem is that we need to get to a place where we 
love all of our faults, right? We think that that is the problem. But what many of us, the problem is, especially, you know, when I talking to my group coaching students and my private clients too, the problem is, is that they are all, they're all so freaking beautiful. They are physically beautiful. They are intelligent. They are fun. They are loving. They are um, the most giving and loving people ever. And they may even tell me that they have been in relationships with people who have taken these things for granted, but they don't, like I said before, that whole, I love myself. They really can't see. They really can't see and grasp how precious, how precious and how phenomenal they are, how fantastic they, how incredible they are. And so the growth area is not you, you know, learning how to settle and accept your flaws is for you to learn how to embrace how incredible and how untouchable you are. And I think that that is scary. That is so scary. Again, for those of us who have never had that modeled, it is scary for those of us who are afraid to take up space. It feels so fantastical and too grandiose to even grasp and comprehend. And yet that's still the task. That is still the task for you to fully love and accept all of you, including the the glamorous parts of yourself and for that to be your truth and to not feel like you have to offset it with um, something that's self-deprecating to fully stand in it and own it. Promise number nine, we will relate to others from a state of wholeness, right? So instead of a a place of ego, which is um, I defend myself by finding fault with you and um, proving that I'm good enough and coming in with defense, or coming from a place of one down where, you know, in order for us to feel safe in this place, we got to, you know, practice, humi- um, yeah, I was about to say humiliating ourselves, but practice humbling ourselves, which by way of humiliation, by practicing self-deprecation and not seeing yourself fully for who you are, because you are afraid to take up space or you're afraid of um, being an imposter or, you know, Maybe those of you who may have been bullied before or highly criticized, you know, you adopt that critical voice within yourself to make sure that you keep yourself on the right level. And that right level is just a projection of someone else's brokenness and trauma. It is not the right level for you. Your level is five levels up. And so for you to learn how to relate to other people from a state of wholeness and that not only can you fully take up space, but so can other people in the room. It's very important for you to learn how to hold your own no matter who is around. And again, not holding your own from a place of defensiveness and self-protectiveness, but from a place of I'm here and being grounded and being present. Promise number 10, we will extend ourselves to nurture our own spiritual growth and that of others. Number 10, again, we will extend ourselves to nurture our own spiritual growth and that of others. So you may notice, especially if you've been binging this podcast for a while, I, when I first started this podcast, I, ooh, I was still very, I don't know if I would say very religious, but I was still more religious than not. <laughs> um, and then I have my own growth journey. But even with that, because of the populations that I was talking to, I wanted to make sure that I did not offend or 
push anybody away who needed to have this message because of something as dividing as people's spiritual beliefs and religious uh, and religious culture. And just knowing that there was a diverse people, diverse set of people who were listening to this. And then um, the reasons for me to not talk about these, this stuff changed because I knew that I was going through my own evolution and my own belief system and what I felt was true to me and not true to me and where that um, led into this program. So the 12-step program for sure has its own relig religious connotation and talks about believing in a higher power and asking your higher power for help because these things, the addiction, your connection to this person, your connection to these addictive, pro addictive processes are bigger than you. And so you've been trying with all of your willpower to break this. And so you need to get to a place of surrender and asking for something outside of yourself to help you. So whether or not you call that your higher power, universe, spirit, you ask the um, ancestral spirit of your great grandmother, like, but that you connect to something outside of you um, instead of, you know, falling to the weakness that is humanity. You know, and that's that for sure is not in the literature, but that's just what I'm saying here. And so there's definitely spiritual connotations to um, promises uh, and the process of the 12 step program. And so as I started to teach, I didn't talk about the spiritual stuff because I didn't want to let any of the ways that I knew that I was transforming and growing negatively impact other people who had the same religious belief that I had. When I first started all this work because I remember, I remember how I felt about people who were feeling the way that I was starting to feel. <laughs> and I remember the judgment and I remember how that would like really close doors. And, you know, it would come from being someone who I could really like listen to, to now I got to pray for you and your salvation. Um, and not like let any clean, un unclean teaching come to me. Right. And so I did not want any of that to impact people who I knew were really hurting and really just needed to take what they could from what I taught and leave the rest. And now full circle, I feel so connected to God and I feel so connected to the spirit and I feel so connected to me again. And now, now I'm talking about God and spirit and spirituality a lot more. And it may not be every episode, but it's definitely more than it used to be before. And full circle, like this work and one, what this promise says is that you're going to extend yourself to nurture your own spiritual growth and that of others, that to do this work, there is spirituality that's connected to this. And however that looks to you is your own, but connecting to something and someone outside of yourself, because we are spiritual beings, whether or not you call that energy, like, you know, they have been dropping so many government and research papers that have talked about the truth of quantum quantum physics. And even if you have no spiritual belief at all in the world, science is saying, science has told us for a long time, and it's just getting deeper and deeper about the truth of energy and how energy um, transmutes, transmutes and how it expands in this world and how everything is so connected in this way. And I'm not going to, I'm already at time, so I'm not going to go into deep quantum physics talks here but how we are bigger than what we can touch 
right? That this world is literally bigger than what we can see um, in, in every direction and angle. So for us to actually grow in this area, we get to a place where we have to, we naturally start to tap into that. Even if it's something that we don't actually start with, we start, as we start to understand ourselves and our desires and our mindsets and faith and manifestation and changing our beliefs about things, we, we have to incorporate things bigger than ourselves to get there. And so that is one of the promises here. I don't know if I did a good job talking about that promise, but maybe I'll come back to that in a future episode. Number 11. Promise number 11, we will make peace with our past and make amends to those we have harmed. We will make peace with our past and make amends to those we have harmed. So I have a free download called the five-step roadmap to heal love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation. So there's a different roadmap for each one of those. And one of the steps that I had in love avoidance specifically that I think I took out was making amends with other people. Because the thing about those of us who struggle with love avoidance is we can leave a a wake of dead relationships and broken promises and broken friendships and heartache behind us. And when we are doing it, we feel fully justified. And every single person we have cut off in every single situation, um, we have the receipts, we have the reasons. We have the very clear dialogue of why it was the right and healthy thing to do about why that person deserved it. And if anything, they got off nicely. Like the fact that I cut it off and I didn't cut you smooth out and that I didn't do X, Y, and Z, I handled it in a very dignified way. And so you're lucky that that's how it happened because you deserved more. And we feel that very strongly. And as we start to go through this journey, and we start to learn more about ourselves and we start to see relationships and love in a more expanded way. I'm not going to even say a different way, but in a more expanded way. We can look back at those same situations and be like, oh, maybe there was more information to this that I did not see or that I did not want to see. Or maybe there is another way that I could have handled this that I did not have access to within my own body or in my own emotions. But if this were to happen today, I would do things differently. And so maybe there are some relationships that I can look back at and say, even if what I did made sense, maybe the way that I did it could have been a little bit more gentler. Or maybe you're actually able to see the other person's point of view. And now you feel some regret and some remorse around it because you're able to see the humanity of the other person versus someone who was a target or someone who was an abuser or someone who just didn't care about you. Now you can see the full picture and you can see that maybe that wasn't quite true. And so you may need to make some amends, y'all. There may be some, it, it is so much easier. It can be so much easier for you to just keep going and, um, you know, find new people to, to connect to and find new relationships and all that. And that might still be your journey, but learning how to look someone in the eye and say, I'm sorry, learning how to go someone in vulnerability and, and ask for that forgiveness and to show where you maybe have messed up. There's a huge skill that doesn't magically come when you meet the right people and meet the right right folks. That that tendency to want to run and to not have that conflict or to slowly get busy instead of addressing something will sabotage your future relationships as well. 
But even more so, I think what the 12-step program really teaches when it comes to the amends process is that in our addiction and our pain, we have caused pain to other people. But we have not always been the victim. Sometimes we have also been the villain. And so learning how to get to this place where you can forgive yourself and you're not judging yourself. You understand that you were doing the best that you knew how at that time, even if it was a little bit shitty um, at certain times. But um, so were the other people around you. And so starting off clean by forgiving yourself, but also making amends to not bring any of that drama or that trauma or that karma or that baggage into the future because you know that you have um, done everything that you could to make it right. Even if it was just to say, hey, I was thinking about this thing that happened between us and I am seeing it differently. And I want to say, I'm sorry for the way that I showed up and you deserve better. Or I should have said this, or I should have closed the door in this way. Um, to be clear, when pe- when the 12-step program talks about the amends process, it is not a green light for you to go and open the door for those of us who are still in love addicted and love addictive patterns, for us to open the door with all these unhealthy relationships and ways that we finally close the door, but maybe it was not the most, it was not the smoothest, it was not the most elegant for us to go and talk to these people and say, hey, I should have cut this off in a different way. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. This is not your free pass to go and talk to these toxic people. You know, um, you can make amends. The 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 saying is, or the teaching is, I should say, because I'll prob- probably paraphrase it incorrectly, but the paraphrase is that you only make amends in person with that person when, when it will not cause harm, when it will not cause harm to them and when it will not cause harm to you. So if there is someone who is not that you're kind of embarrassed and you're thinking they may be mad at you. And so that's what makes you not want to make amends with them because you're kind of afraid of your own personal rejection. But more so if you actually talk to them that it will literally cause them more harm. That um whatever happened was so painful or destructive that it may throw them completely off or whatever, you know, so um being mindful of the other person's experience is important but also to my point with love addiction and toxic relationships unavailable trauma bonded relationships will this be uh painful for you will this be hurtful for you to go and try to talk to an ex-friend or an ex-relationship that really was so all-consuming when you were in it that a little bit is never enough with the idea of addiction you know when they t- when they talk about alcohol that um, one sip is too many and a hundred is never enough. And it's the same thing when it comes to these romantic partnerships. You know, you think that you can kind of do a little bit like I can be your friend and I can be cordial. And there are some people, y'all, there are some people that some of us will not ever be able to have that type of relationship with. And knowing that and being honest about that is very important. Okay, here we are at an hour at the time I'm recording this. And of course, this is going to end up being more than an hour once it gets posted. But here is the final promise from Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous that I hope that you all get access to by being listeners to this podcast. And then, of course, for those of you who become my students and work with me more, uh, we will be thankful for what has been given to us, what has been taken away and what has been left behind. We will be thankful for what has been given to us what has been taken away and for what has been left behind. 
something one of the women said, you know, when we closed our circle last night, one of the ladies ended the circle with a prayer. And I believe in the prayer. She says something to the effect of thanking God for using all of my hurts and my insecurities and my traumas to help women heal uh, from around the world. And that is absolutely a thought that I have had, which is every single heartbreak that I've had, um, every single situation that has not worked out, every hurt, I have tried to use it for good here. I've tried to use it as a light post for those who have felt lost. I've tried to make meaning from it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know why my voice is starting to get froggy. Um, I'm not crying yet, but we'll see. <laughs> but my, my voice is definitely, my throat is definitely kind of closing up a little bit. But I've tried to use everything that has happened to me to make meaning and then make lessons and make coursework and make solutions and make tools um, to help break generational curses and to help women who have felt so lost find themselves, find love, find truth, and um, just to transform this generation and the next. And I believe that that is true for every single one of us, that we can get to a place where we will see that the things that have happened to us have been things that have happened for us, and perhaps for others as well. And we can express thanks for that. We can be thankful for what has been given to us, for what has been taken away, and what has been left behind, because we know that we have so much more. That all of those things were things that have been happening and conspiring to give us the abundance and the blessings that we currently have in front of us and everything that is down the road, everything that is currently, you know, being created for us and that is just waiting for us on the other side. And so I love this for us. I love that this is where we get to be. And I love that this is where we are going. So thank you so much, everyone, for being a part of this journey up until now. Um, I look forward for what I look forward to what the future has for us, for us continuing to grow together, to love each other, and to go deeper. So thanks for being a part of this community. Thank you to my therapist for us for sending me to slaw thank you to slaw for everything that you gave me up to this point and thank you for all of you for trusting me and being on this journey with me so again if you would like to know know more about my experience with slaw um and what to expect if you would like to go um the good things um and maybe again some growth areas you can find that episode in our archives where i talk about my 12-step experience um and learn more and why I transitioned out and why I started to teach the things that I teach here and create the programs that I've created um, to bridge those gaps that can fall in between therapy and fall in between self-set programs and a lot of the things that are out there to help women actually transform and heal. If you would like to work with me, you can learn about my program and join by going to therecoveryschool.com. And you will see a full breakdown of the program. Um, depending on when you're listening to this, there may be a live open house available to join me to ask questions as well. Um, but that is available. And for those who would like to work with me privately, 
in a VIP container. You can learn more about those coaching options by going to blackgirlsheal.org slash slash coaching. So um, if you see a spot available, I would take it. Um, I do not always have spots available because I'm doing a million things <laughs> to for the community and beyond. So for those of you who I do get to work with, I look forward to it in whatever capacity that that is. So that is it for now, y'all. I'm sending you all so much love and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors.